that were out in COVID uh, a week or so ago. Uh, and I think the downside of COVID now is the small fortune you pay in testing kits. That's where they get you on the back side um, forever. Hopefully, we just move beyond, and it is what it is. You get sick, you get healthy, you get sick, you get healthy. It's called life. So hopefully, we move past that because I can't afford the mortgage against those darn testing kits. But we're back. We're feeling good and looking forward again to Esther. Uh, as uh, we witnessed last time, we're in the portion of this lesson you this morning, kind of centering in uh, on the issue of fasting, weeping, and lamenting. Because it's an important location here. We witnessed a few weeks ago now, again, uh, Mordecai's actions of mourning. As you know in verse 1, when Mordecai learned all that had been done, he tore his clothes. And then it goes from there, the tearing of the clothes, you put on sackcloth and ashes, and he went out in the midst of the city. And then, in the midst of the city, you notice he cried out. And then the, the author makes clear that we understand the desperation of the crying out. So you have him with torn clothes, you have him with the sackcloth and ashes. I noticed for you historically, that would be like somewhat similar to us wearing black for a funeral. So, so again, it's just it's clearly noting someone is in a phase of mourning. And, and now he's crying out, and again, the notation being it's loud, and it's a very bitter cry. So, so what we note here about Mordecai's actions at this point is one thing seems absolutely clear, and then we'll point to something that seems to be missing, and we'll expand upon that just for a few moments. But what is absolutely clear at the beginning of Mordecai's response is the decree that in a few months, that is 11 months, Jews are going to be devastated and wiped out everywhere across the Persian Empire. Mordecai's response is here to an attempt to get Esther's attention. That you know. And then we'll look at the bit, bit, parts and pieces to see if there should be more. And how should we respond to hardship and providence? Well, what we know about Mordecai up front is this loud and bitter cry is in the city square, and it is an attempt to get Esther's attention. We know this because we know Esther deceived within the palace. We know here the notation, again, by the author to say he went into the midst of the city. Notice the next portion of verse 2. He went up to the entrance of the king's gate. But he's at the entrance. There's a notation again helping us understand where he's at and why he's there. Well, he's there at the entrance because no one's allowed to enter. Clothes the way that you want, that is, in sackcloth and ash. You're not allowed to show up in deep mourning. The king's not here to hear about it. So Mordecai goes where he can, making a loud and bitter cry with sackcloth and ash. If we were to summarize this briefly, we know what Mordecai is doing. He is making a public spectacle. It is bound to come to Esther's attention. Again, as we know, Esther being queen and Esther being queen. Most importantly, as we consider divine providence, all the way to the beginning of the story of Esther to now. Mordecai's response here. That the initial response, as we consider 
bitter, the tearing of the cloth, the loud and the bitter crop. There, there is without any doubt, as you consider the text carefully, this is an expression of humility. Mordecai is devastated. And in, in some ways, as he then relays the information, which we won't get to this morning, but you see it in verse 4 moving forward, and as he relays the information, he tells very particularly all the details that happened to him. And again, it's not that, oh, it's for me, I'm the victim here. It's to record he's devastated over the situation and how he's gotten out of control. His failure to bow down to Haman has brought a tremendous impact to everyone. So his expression here of brokenness and tearing up the clothes is without a doubt an expression of humility, grief, and certainly anger. I wouldn't go so far as to read into the text and beyond the text to say that Mordecai rejects it. I, I, I don't know that to be the case. I, I, I think Mordecai, on principle, uh, does not want to bow to an agony. Thank you. 
There's a reason you know about that. It's not simply that all in every set of circumstances could do likewise. Those are facilities that each one of us has. And the circumstances there that have. And there is grace for each by the grace of God. Do life in accordance. Thank you. 
And not just that we say he's sovereign, he's in control. No, we believe that that expression of sovereignty is demonstrated in providence, where he controls all of his creatures and all of their actions, from the least of them to the greatest of them. There is not a drop of water that falls. It does not fall by his control and command. Whether it's a flood that overtakes or a drought that is satisfied, all is under his control and absolutely flowing from his control and providence. But neither does that then mean that our lives are meaningless, but therein we find meaning as he instructs us, his creatures, in the accomplishment of his purpose for our lives is the deployment of the means whereby he commands them. Do what? Pray. Why? God's sovereign. No, 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 no. In the utilization of prayer and the accomplishment of his purposes. That makes prayer meaningful. Anything but meaningless. He is pleased to work by the ordinary means. So he told and warned the people of the pestilence, of the trauma, of the difficulty that is coming. Certain annihilation. He says, Hear your heart. How can I do that? By observing the ordinary means. We lament and fast. Seek his faith. Then he asks, Who knows? He may turn. God may turn so that he may be eager to deploy the ordinary means whereby he will So we will wake up in thoughtfulness and have never been named among the reformed to say, well, again, God's sovereign. Well, then we treasure that and deploy the means Divine and yet dangerous providence is an instrument in the hand of God, whereby He directs His people towards the confession of their sins, prayerfulness, and an eager meditation. Your confession of sin. 
was afraid. And, and, and here we are instructed, he set his face to glory. And he did what we see here with many godly individuals in Esther 4. He proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. So he seeks the face of the Lord because he is fearful. And he proclaims what? An observant fast. Judah, all of the Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. So all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. So here is the added prayer. He declared a fast, and all of Judah gathered with enemies abundant that are coming to bring, bring destruction. Verse 6, and he prayed, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power, might, so that none is able to withstand you. Do you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel, and give it forever to the sons of Abraham, your friend? Verse 9, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, and pestilence, and famine, you will stand before this house and before you. And your name is And the godliness of those who are gathered with Esther 4, Esther 4. We don't know what to do. But our eyes are on you. Meanwhile, and here's a, a, a wonderful baptism. Meanwhile, all Jews Counsel to the people. He appointed those who were singing to the Lord and praised Him in holy attire. And they went before the army and said, Give thanks to the Lord, for His steadfast love endures forever. Verse 22. And when they began to sing and praise the Lord, they, uh, and then praise the Lord, set an ambush against the men in Ammon, Moab, and the Mount Sire. At the end of the text, you'll see they all helped to destroy one another. Turn in fear to the Lord. 
don't you think a better move would be to sharpen what we have, which remains for battle? We don't know what day they're going to attack, so on and so forth. All the questions and rationalizations that we all go through all the time. It, we're not unique. They had to say, I want to say this. I, by grace, am going to pivot it and say that. I'm going to speak prayer. I don't, but, but I don't feel like that's an immediate response to my immediate need. If I do this, I'll feel somehow better. It's a placebo. I draw your attention to Acts chapter 13, 
what thing you place at temperature, either in the first or in the first conversion, is what you would kind of, is, is, is what you call an installation service. If you've ever seen an installation service for like a mission or, or a church in the New Testament says, here's an installation service for uh, uh, putting a man for the new world. Uh, somebody's going to go do new uh, ministry. Somebody's going to go do mission work. You have this installation service, meaning they're already ordained that's what you have here, and that's the pattern that you can say in churches that is still our pattern in churches that we know today at chapter 13. But notice the behavior where the church is now gathered, elders from our across town are gathering together in chapter 13, and yet verse 2, while they're gathered, so they're there, and they're worshiping the Lord, and notice there's this presence among them, and this division Thank you. 
make that decision. Well, the way that the text of Scripture instructs is not to demonstrate how, by good decisions and by bodily of doing that well. Each goal is a pearl Given the call uh, drawn by time to a close now, we're going to see four uh, principles considering fasting. And the reason, again, is because fasting is indeed a condition of fasting. Whether it's the people of God in the Old Covenant or the people of God in the New Covenant, I, in my time studying this text and considering the role of fasting in my own life, I've been
different than I did before in order to validate the process of going through what I just said. It, 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 lo and behold, you look in the mirror and you find out, what? I thought I was going to look like that. I look like me. But I know I'm not me anymore. I felt the pain of not being me. So why am I cohesive? And then it's like, well, the return of the No, 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 that aren't even there and blessed with the Lord by godly discipline in our life are best and always experienced by those in the faithful discharge of those things. And then it goes to number four, which leads into this number two here. Knowing that how it is with dieting, with exercising, with reading, with any other improvement aspect within your life of discipline. Getting you. Discipline. So I just want to fast 